0: And focus, uh, coming to you this week from the Sumida Ward in Tokyo, Japan. I am Hilka, still your host, joined as always by my co-host Rosalie. How are you doing today?
1: Hello, I'm very good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm a bit warm. Uh, We've had some lovely weather uh, for a couple weeks. It was nice and cool, and the hot summer temperatures have come back with a vengeance, and... I am in my recording box, suffering slightly for my art.
1: <laughs> uh, That's how it's done.
0: How how are you uh, going?
1: Weather-wise, it's not. It's always cold here, so it's fine. <laughs> um, it's a bit humid, but uh, there was like a one weekend of summer, and it's already like it's already pretty cold here. So I'm all good. I don't get any sun in this house as well. Which is not going to be fun in like two months time. I'm gonna be absolutely Baltic, as they say over here. But hey ho, that's what electric blankets are for.
0: Absolutely Baltic? That's that's a cool expression.
1: Yeah, but you say Baltic, it means like really cold. So it's like like the Baltic Sea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my scots word of the month i guess
0: (laughs) yeah hey learn something new every day right Mm. that's how you keep your brain malleable and capable of learning new things (laughs) speaking of new things uh as happens every week um some news happened it wouldn't be a week without some news (laughs) we we have a couple of new stories to talk about this episode the first one of which kind of took a lot of people by surprise i assume uh i at least i was definitely surprised uh so red dead redemption 2 was moderately successful is uh one of the biggest understatements i think i've made on this show so far (laughs) um and red dead redemption 1 was sort of like trapped on backwards compatibility systems for a while Mm -hmm. until now uh it by the time this episode comes out it will have already come out for switch and other systems oh god uh i believe xbox one ps4 probably ps5 and xbox series x as well
1: Um, Mm and no not ps5 not ps5 no you can play you can download it and play it on the ps5 but it's not being specifically advertised for the ps5 and there's no physical version for it either because i have because stupid reasons
0: <laughs> uh yeah speaking of stupid reasons mm. um the uh they announced when it was announced that it was coming to switch uh, and modern systems still not pc so mm-hmm. sucks to be pc gamers i guess it does sometimes yeah <laughs> uh that they're gonna be charging 50 dollars for it 50 us dollars or i assume 50 euros i, I actually haven't checked it's about um,
1: uh, the website i use a lot it's about 35 pounds really yeah that's a oh, yes, yeah, so of copy. course,
0: exchange rates.
1: Yeah.
0: And I assume for, for our Australian fans, that would be about 70 75 mm-hmm. Australian dollars. Uh, speaking of exchange rates, yeah. Um, but yeah, $50 for a game from 13 years ago. And this isn't like a, like a remaster like Metroid Prime remastered was. This is, I believe, just a port, like a remake. Mm-hmm. And... They were asked about this. Uh, Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick described this decision as being quote, commercially accurate unquote. Uh, partially because it also uh, contains the Undead Nightmare expansion, which he said was compelling enough as a standalone release on its own, so you're kind of getting two games for the price of one, except not we're charging you for two games. Yeah. Um, one nice thing that it does have is it does have a bunch of new localizations that weren't pre- uh, present in previous editions including simplified and traditional chinese korean polish brazilian portuguese russian and latin american spanish but yeah 50 for a game from 13 years ago i know it's releasing on a nintendo system but come on guys you don't have to copy them
1: also like i don't understand why it's like i guess it's good for um preservation in a way but just they should have remade it and with and how they did red Dead Redemption 2 and made it all smart you know fancy and schmancy um red Dead Redemption 1 is one of my favorite games of all time i liked 2 but it wasn't it didn't hit the same uh, and this just really annoyed me. Uh, it feels like just a. It feels like they have not learned from the, uh, the versions of San Andreas and Vice City. Um, that came out. It just feels like a way to get more money from folk. It feels a bit gross. Um. And yeah, an undead nightmare is not a game on its own. It it's deal. It's it's DLC. It doesn't hit the same unless you play the main game. Because it's set after the main game for one, kind of, pretty much. Yeah, it is set after the main game. Oh yeah. It's just nice as <laughs> you can probably yeah. tell. <laughs>
0: Another thing, you, you brought up the uh, the San Andreas and Vice City remakes that they did for like the, the collection and then they like delisted the old versions from Steam and stuff. Yeah. So you could only get the new the new and quote unquote improved versions. Um, something that blizzard has also done in the past with warcraft 3 reforged that's my little soapbox moment i love warcraft 3 and reforged was apparently garbage and i didn't buy it
1: they technically did this here too because i uh i have playstation plus like the top tier and i used to have playstation now and PlayStation now had Red Dead Redemption and I played a bit of it and it was it's a cloud version so uh eh. but it still ran pretty well and I was like oh cool I'm playing this even though I own it physically I just can't be bothered looking at a PS3 to play it but then it was taken off <laughs> so uh, we know why because <laughs> they wanted to milk more money out of it Um, which I would have been happy to spend 50 quid if they did a full-on remake and i don't yeah i just it just feels a bit skeezy um it's not like they don't have the budget to do something a bit more interesting but i guess if you never played it and you only have a switch then that's cool but i don't know it's just i'm just a bit annoyed. especially
0: i mean we are a nintendo podcast here so i'll try not to speculate too much about other systems and other audiences Mm -hmm. but like I I don't know, maybe I'm stereotyping a little bit too much when I say this, but I don't know if there's too much over, like, I don't know how big the market is for this game on Switch. Yeah. You know? Like, it's nice, but I think people would like it more on PS5 and PC. Yeah. Although, if it's on PC, you have to deal with the Rockstar Social Club, and that's <laughs> apparently also a disaster in in and of itself.
1: It's not on PC as well, so yeah well i mean it, it it can be if you you know do the pirate route, but um <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's just weird it's it's also weird that there isn't an or a Nintendo podcast, but it is weird that it's not on p c and it is very weird that they advertise it as p s four when it's like, why is there no physical version for the p s five you know like your main console right now? it's just very weird um it it's it's also just I was even, so right now I'm in a a phase for uh, Medieval, which is one of my favourite games, and that got like a full-on remake, and you could buy it physically with a steel book for £25. And when you unlocked everything in the game, you unlocked the original game on it. That's the kind of stuff that should be like, you know, put on the pedestal of what you do when you re-release a famous game. Not a bare-ass port with the same price as it was when it was brand new, and... That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Like, and, and like you said, it's not like Rockstar doesn't have the money. I mean, they're mm-hmm. still create like generating buckets of revenue from like GTA Online and Red Dead Online, I believe as well. Uh, oh yeah. So it's not like they don't have the budget, but this, like you said, this just it feels like a cash grab, kind yeah. of
1: yeah
0: on to maybe some more positive news um (laughs) splatoon 3 is a game that exists i admit (laughs) i know basically nothing about it um so i'm gonna hand the baton to you after i tell the news story uh it's there was an announcement that it's getting some new features and also a series of amiibo based on the deep cut characters now I do not know what that means. Can can you do me a favor and explain to me what that means? Oh,
1: okay. So every um, every Splatoon game has like mascot characters, and they're like the pre- They're like the presenters of the the like matches in the game. So whenever you turn it on, they'll be like, "Hey, we're in Inktropolis or whichever which one is set, and these are the matches right now." and they're like the famous characters of that given area. So in the first game, it was Callie and Marie, which is like, ah, Callie and Marie. Yeah. And the second game, it was Pearl and Marina. Uh, it's like Marina Pearl. Hee hee. And for this, for three, it is, oh, I always get their name. Oh my God. What's their names? Um, Fire. Oh my God. There's like a cool shark one and then a cool orangey one and then the stingray and I have totally forgotten their names. That's really bad. Um, in my defense, I haven't played three in a long time because eh. But the Amiibos are cute and I want them. But yeah, what is their names? Oh my God, that's so bad. But yeah, they're basically, they, they sing the song. Shiver and Fry. That's it. Okay. There's like, um Splatoon has like a big community surrounding its music to the point where they actually have live concerts with like holograms kind of like uh vocaloid um oh wow so each each set of the mascots has like a specific song usually that they perform during like this black fest um which you know there's like one every odd month um so they're like they're usually they're like specifically meant to be like idol characters you know like uh japanese pop idols and stuff um these ones aren't my favorite but they're still quite cool they're still like the main like the main thing of why i still like splatoon but um yes now they're getting amiibos because i already have the amiibos of all the other ones (laughs) i've been waiting Uh,
0: also there is a there is a third one a manta ray named big man
1: that's it that's it i just not played it in a while because it's fun, but there's not It's not there's not there's enough to it to keep you doing it after a while. It's not got the same, uh, it doesn't grab your attention the same way other live service games do, um, like Fortnite or something. But, the Amiibos, I am going to be pre-ordering them the second they go up. Um, I think the Ganondorf Amiibo from Tears of the Kingdom is also going up soon too, so yeah, hype. <laughs>
0: I I own exactly one amiibo.
1: (laughs) Only one? It is the
0: Magnamalo amiibo from the collector's edition of Monster Hunter Rise.
1: Ah. I would have
0: loved to get the Malzano one from Sunbreak, but to the best of my abilities, which I fully confess are not very good in terms of finding this kind of thing, uh, I could not find somewhere in this country and also most of europe that had like the malzano amiibo so Mm -hmm. i have the magno malo one and um, i'm gonna keep it that way unless i can find a malzano one for a decent price because i i like the sculpting on them is like i will say the the sculpting on amiibo is they're very good they're like very solid they don't Mm -hmm. feel really cheap but i'm like I'm not a collector in that regard.
1: Yeah, I have. I use an app to track them, so I have about a hundred and three of them. Wow! Uh, and I develop. I do want to get all of them. There's some that you can't get because some were. Um, I think there is exclusive Monster Hunter ones that were given out as prizes for a tournament or something. Um, but the mainline ones I want to try and make sure I get every single one. Um. So far I have a lot to go. Some that are like extortionately priced now. Luckily I own some of those as well so it kind of balances out a little bit. Um, I'm trying to get every Zelda one. and Currently I'm only missing one of the ones that are out. So that Ganondorf will also have to be mine the second it goes up. Because here's a trick, if you don't pre-order a lot of these you will not get them um because the yeah. resellers are fierce and nintendo are really bad at reprinting them although they have started to reprint some of the zelda ones which is why i now have most of them so it is always nice. worth checking your local your regional nintendo based shop um because they are getting better um but yeah i want this platoon one so bad um
0: uh I looked it up on uh, Inkopedia to find their names. Shout out to <laughs> SplatoonWiki.org. Um, uh, I will say I do the the design of these characters. They are very appealing. These would make mm-hmm. for like some really good figurines.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good Splatoon merch now. Like there's more if if you want stuff that isn't amiibos, there is more higher end um, stuff by like Good Smile Company and. Uh, Nintendo the Tokyo exclusive Nintendo shop has really cool Splatoon figures and merch and stuff as well um, but that's why I like it because the designs the whole aesthetic of Splatoon reminds me of like the Dreamcast era um, it has a kind of 90s arcadey look to it um, so that's what I've always loved the characters, uh, and there's like a manga, and there's all sorts of Splatoon there, so I think they know that their characters look cool. <laughs> uh, I'm literally wearing a Splatoon shirt as we record this, which I've only just noticed. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I'm
0: actually wearing a Monster Hunter shirt. Oh, so. <laughs> spooky!
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so spooky! I love it. Um, but yeah, there is also like new things coming to the game, and I was gonna check, but honestly, I've not played it in a while because again, it's like. I think it's a new salmon run and like a like the big run as it's called, which is like a special event. But the one that I played was really boring. Um I've even missed some splat fests when I said that I wasn't gonna miss any. Just because there's not enough in it to like keep me playing it. I can I also I can only usually do an, one live service game at a time. Um so yeah. right now it's right now it's dead by daylight. So um yeah. <laughs> I I probably will I probably will get back into Splatoon. I have like phases where I go for my different hyperfixations. They'll come they'll come back around. But I'll be buying the Meebos regardless, because they're so cute. Uh and I have a They do a, look very nice. Yeah, I have a Splatoon shelf like behind me right now. So there's you know, they've got a spot waiting for them.
0: <laughs> Next, uh this was a, a pretty big one. There was a Pokemon Presents, which mm-hmm. is basically just a Nintendo Direct, but exclusively devoted to Pokemon. Uh, the, they talked about a lot of stuff. I've sort of picked out the, the highlights here because there were some uh, shows, like a new season of the TV show. There was a uh, like series of web shorts. There was a web series about someone rising the ranks of playing the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, that looked pretty cool. But the the, head, the headlights, no, <laughs> highlights, highlights are um, more information on the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC. We did talk about that when we talked about the Nintendo Direct, but we have an actual release date for the first half, the Teal Mask, coming out September 13th. Um, it's interesting because it's setting is very different from the setting of Paldea. Like, it is near Paldea, I believe. Paldea? Paldea. (laughs) Uh, But it takes place in Kitakami, which is a Japanese-inspired setting, and it takes place during, like, a Japanese-style festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of the legendaries that they revealed, I assume they're legendaries, are inspired by, like, Japanese folklore, uh, the teal mask pokemon uh itself whose name i forget uh it looks like it's inspired by oni specifically like mm-hmm. japanese oni and then there was a an ape a dog and a bird of some kind who were the warriors who were going to defend kitakami from the teal mask pokemon uh Obviously, I don't know the plot details beyond that because I am not from the future and haven't managed to play it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be coming out soon, September thirteenth, uh, just in time for me to not be able to play it on my upcoming trip. <laughs> are you? Uh, we 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 did talk about it when we mentioned the uh, when we talked about the Nintendo Direct. But are you looking into picking this up?
1: Yeah, although I didn't realise it was so soon, so I might wait a while. September is like... The amount of games coming out right now is really hard to keep up with. Uh, And that's like not including... Like, there's the ones that I want to play, there's the ones that I should be playing for work, and then it's spanning across every you know pc playstation nintendo all the things um so i probably won't get to it when it comes out but i do plan to get it for sure
0: well the releases don't stop because in (laughs) october on october 6th uh, detective pikachu returns is coming out it got another trailer at the pokemon presents uh i don't believe we had a release date yet if i'm not misremembering but i very well could be Uh, But yeah, Detective Pikachu Returns, I'm going to reiterate what I said. I'm super into it, I think. I haven't played the first (laughs) one, but solving puzzles with Pokemon and solving a mystery, right up my alley.
1: (laughs) I think you'll like it.
0: Then they did the classic available later today. Um, The Pokemon Trading Card Game, Game Boy Color Game, and Pokemon Stadium 2 are now available... On the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass,
1: yeah, classics.
0: Did you uh, play either of them at all?
1: Um, I haven't since they've been added to NSO, but I have a lot <laughs> since they originally released. Um, and in fact, the trading card game was on the 3DS Digital Shop, where I rebought it a few years ago and played it again, and it is still very, very, very good. Um. If you haven't played it before, don't go in expecting that you'll then know the rules for the card game because the rules for the card game are now really convoluted and totally different. <laughs> but that doesn't Power stop creep is a hell of a thing. Yeah, but that doesn't stop the Game Boy game from being really fun, and it has like one of the best Pokemon soundtracks of all time. Um, and Pokemon Pokemon Stadium Two is actually like one of my favorite uh, Pokemon games ever. Um, I got it for Christmas the year it came out originally and oh, it's really cool although a lot of the cool features with it like the first Pokemon Stadium are kind of you have to use the, the controller pack and use your actual cartridges so it's kind of the fact they haven't managed to work out any compatibility with the old games it, it kind of makes some of it kind of obsolete but the minigames are still a very good shout so even better yeah, than the first I, one. I
0: I owned both of them, I think, on my yeah. third hand Nintendo sixty four. I if I'm not well yeah, it would have to be because Pokemon Stadium one was gen one. I I'm reasonably confident that I was basically undefeated mm-hmm. at the the Tyrogue minigame. Oh, yeah. The spinning top Tyrogues. <laughs> um I honestly I, I'm gonna echo something i saw on on twitter i think by ben ulmer of loading already run um i want a new like pokemon stadium style game yeah i think that would be really cool for a those of us who are big fans of the original and b i think it would be one of the best ways to do competitive pokemon because you could it, it could just be very focused on the on the competitive scene in the sense that like You don't have to mess around with the story parts if you don't want to if all you're interested in is like the competitive battling. You can just construct a team and host it through that. It would admittedly be kind of a niche product, which means it's probably never happening in that way, (laughs) but I, I agree that it would probably be the best way to do it.
1: Yeah. I'd want it for all the mini games and stuff because like i don't think they're gonna there used to be loads of like weird not like sideline pokemon games that were really fun and experimental and but now a lot of that stuff is kind of like saved for the the mobile games and stuff um mm. so it'd be cool if there was like another mini game collection and like even like a Pokemon meets Mario Party type scenario, I would be really up for something like that. Um but I again I don't think they're gonna do that. It <laughs> sounds too good. I think
0: the, the weirdest one they've released recently was like the MOBA?
1: Yeah, which is actually quite fun. Um yeah, I guess. It's just riddled with microtransactions as the as MOBAs tend to be. <laughs> And games made by Tencent yeah. tend to be, um, but it is actually quite fun, and you can get a kilt in it, which I appreciated. Um, but yeah, I would love a new Pokemon Stadium, but it's still worth playing, to even if you don't get all the cool stuff that you would get putting your game actually in it, because um, there's like a wee school where you you get a specific you get specific Pokemon, um, and you can't pick. And the whole thing is, you have to actually learn what you're doing, uh, which actually really helped as a kid. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's just it's just a fun time.
0: I I did also play the Pokemon trading card game video game a little bit, mm. and also just I have actually played the trading card game. Yeah. Uh, I I have played all three of the the major three of Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh, and Magic. I'm currently a Magic player. Yu Gi Oh mystifies me nowadays uh boy oh my god those (laughs) cards are goddamn illegible uh and pokemon it does look very exciting uh they have a lot of cool like card designs nowadays none of which you'll see in this one because it was for the game Boy color yeah to give you an instinct of how long ago it was uh but i i remember really enjoying it i think at the time it was like the fastest I'd ever like, seen a character move in a Pokemon game, mm-hmm. uh, just like your running speed, was just hilariously fast. That's most of my memory of that game, to be <laughs> honest. But if you want like, what the Pokemon trading card game was like when, I don't know, Fossil was one of the most recent yep. expansions... Uh, I'll probably... I mean, I don't actually have the expansion pass. I wish you could just, like, buy it for, like, ten bucks or something. Maybe yeah. less, ideally. But, hey, I should have done that on 3DS if I wanted to, I guess. But yeah. I didn't. So, looks like I'm the idiot.
1: <laughs> no, they should let you buy it. Also, there was a sequel to it that only came out in Japan. and Really? Yeah, I'm secretly hoping that they, like... Do a translation and shove it on N S O, which sounds unlikely. But they did also put Star Fox Two, which didn't even originally come out on N S O. So you know nothing is impossible. Um, but yeah, I've never actually played it. I guess I could get a ROM. Uh, but yeah, I really want. I've always wanted to play the sequel. Um, also, this is worth knowing that for those who maybe are. Like younger than me, that if you got the game originally physically, it actually came with an exclusive card. I think it was a Meowth, um Hollow card, which is now you know quite hard to get because <laughs> a lot of Pokemon cards are worth lots of money. Um, but I always thought that was really cool that you got an actual physical card with the trading card video game. Um, but yeah, it's 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 still a very good time. Um, and the music is so good. Oh got a very very good certain check i listen to it like like regularly it's that good
0: (laughs) nice um then uh probably the most contentious announcement in that live stream uh we had the pokemon world championships recently i believe Mm -hmm. um which constituted trading card games competitive battling like it was all things pokemon having the world championships at the same time uh and they announced that the next ones are going to be uh next year in honolulu hawaii which uh, if you're not paying attention to the news um hawaii is currently on fire Mm -hmm. uh there are massive wildfires Most of them at the time of when I was doing research for this, about 85% of them had been contained, but that's not 100%. Uh, And that was very bad timing, unfortunately. Um, Also, Hawaii in general is one of the more contentious states in the United States to do it because it has a significant population of indigenous residents who are slowly being choked out of their own homes by tourists mostly tourists and the environmental damage that that's causing and the rising cost of living and housing prices that the tour- the tourism to hawaii industry brings and yeah reception to this was was not positive uh, i will say i don't work at a massive multinational company so i generally assume that these things always take way longer than even i assume they do so i imagine this was a decision that was made like months ago and they like reserved the hotel or the convention center or wherever it's going to be held and they were like okay we've made this decision and then the wildfires happened and there was either not enough time or too much money involved to pivot in such a short amount of time so i do like i'm not often one who gives big global companies the benefit of the doubt but like I can see how this happened at the very least
1: yeah although I actually don't agree because for like maybe the last four or five years Hawaii has been telling people not to go there on holiday because yes, the general community of people who live there can't afford to live in their own homes and all the money that the country gets is going towards making sure tourists have a great time and to my knowledge that's quite a fairly known thing that don't you don't go there and don't pick your holiday there so and i i feel that a huge company like the pokemon company would be well aware of that because you can like it i mean if a general person like me can google that and get all this information of why you shouldn't go then maybe don't book a big massive event there <laughs> Uh, regardless of the fires that thing has just made it worse so uh, yeah, I think they're just they just wanted a big nice pretty place to, to host an event and I don't think that uh, maybe I'm being a bit like grim but I don't think they like actually care also like 200,000 oh did we talk about that already they like made a donation uh,
0: yeah they uh, they made a 200,000 US dollar donation to the Hawaii wildfire relief fund like yeah. pretty much right after the live stream when people were like hey maybe you shouldn't <laughs> have done that and they uh said quote our hearts go out to all those who have been impacted by the devastating wildfires in hawaii and like i i assume you're about to say for a company like the pokemon company two thousand yeah. two hundred thousand dollars is chump change
1: yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> I guess it's better than nothing. I don't know. This just made me really annoyed. <laughs> it's, I mean, you can't ex, corporations gonna, corp- like, you can't expect them to be, like, great and nice because, you know, capitalism gonna capitalism. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I would just, I would just pull out, go somewhere else and donate more money and then people would be like, cool. That's, like, the only thing I can think of. Um, and also like I'm gonna be side eyeing anybody that still goes to this event. Um, because like just don't <laughs> Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah, um it's not like it's gonna be the only like event. There's Pokemon stuff everywhere. There's loads of things you can do and be involved in. Um but I think some people have pulled out. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if some people have already. But um yeah, it's just very it's just disappointing. Um but i mean yeah there's some things you just can't really you can't really always put your faith in a big conglomerate (laughs) because you know it's just how they are but at the same time you've got a right to be annoyed um
0: yeah i I did want to clarify something uh when i said the like the thing regarding giving them the benefit of the doubt. I meant that, like, exclusively in the context of the wildfires. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I 100% agree that they just shouldn't have booked it for Hawaii in the first place. Yeah. Because that information is so easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um, we'll see if they manage to change course on that or if what you. A guest is correct in that they maybe just don't care enough to bother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah, not like both in terms of bad decisions that they made and just a little bit of bad timing. The the optics of this whole thing are just <laughs> rancid. Yeah. And to, like I said, like we said, two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's like life changing money for me. But for a company like the Pokemon Company, that's, that's a drop in the bucket. Mm. Like. <laughs> and uh, now on to some more recent and also kind of mixed news. Mm. Uh, Charles Martinet, longtime voice of Mario and many other characters in the Mario franchise, since I believe Super Mario 64. Before that. Um has not he didn't announce it it was a statement from Nintendo across their social media platforms that he is going to be stepping back from voicing Mario characters and going to become a Mario ambassador I'm doing air quotes in case you can't hear (laughs) that in my voice which is a new role that has been invented for him he is still going to be making public appearances in his like capacity as the voice of Mario but he will no longer be the voice of Mario. And as uh, as you said when <laughs> when we discussed talking about this for the show, uh boy, I hope this doesn't mean that there's like Chris Pratt or like Chris Pratt sound alikes in future games.
1: Well, funnily enough, um we already have heard the new Mario because people have worked out that he Charles wasn't involved in Super Mario Wonder because when, when the trailer came out people are like that doesn't sound like him uh, and it's because it isn't him so that could be just a stand-in but it's very likely that that is the, the new Mario whoever they may be um, and they sound alright but they do sound different um but yeah, I the fear in me that's like they're gonna announce Mario Odyssey two for the next Switch and it's gonna be Chris Pratt doing the voice. I was like, no, please, no. Uh, oh, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, sadly. <laughs> um,
0: I I don't think they'd want to like spend enough money to get actual factual Chris Pratt. Oh yeah, I think they'd get. Someone who can do a reasonable impression of Chris Pratt's Mario, mm-hmm. which I confess I haven't seen the movie, so I don't actually have a clear idea of what Chris Pratt's Mario sounds like. But <laughs> not like Mario, if memory serves.
1: No, I mean it's not the worst thing. It's more the casting choice that annoyed me, but it's not it's not great either. It's just weird. It's just it's a shame. I I have a feeling that this wasn't a choice. Uh, i'm fully aware that charles Martini is old well like an older gentleman i should say but there's just something in me that thinks that something's go- something behind the scenes is going on or went on that we don't know about because he's not retiring from voice acting uh yeah,
0: just mario
1: which i don't think he would willingly do um uh, yeah, and I think also coming off the fact that they didn't give him the lead role in the movie and that he had a cameo, a very lovely cameo, um, as the dad to Mario and Luigi, which is very fitting. Um, and he was also Jumpman as like a weak cameo, which is cool. Uh, but it's still, hmm, there's something. It. It's, it, I, I think I'm also just sad because um, he's a lovely guy and he's like the voice of many of our childhoods. Um, the only positive is that they could actually get an Italian voice actor. <laughs> because yeah. there is like a thing that people don't like talking about. Because Steve's a voice of her childhoods. But there is a lot of stuff in the way that Mario's voice is done that is quite stereotypical and maybe not like appropriate all the time. <laughs> I mean, if you play Super Mario 64 and you leave him to fall, like, you leave them mario to be idle i think one of his lines he's like asleep he goes hmm spaghetti (laughs) and it's like that's really a bit dodgy um it's funny but it's also really like (laughs) um so maybe they might it was i think at its
0: worst in the cdi games right i don't believe that was charles martinet uh or am i thinking maybe the cartoon
1: it wasn't him in the cartoon. The, the one that all the
0: YouTube poops is from.
1: That is... Oh, what's he called? Lou... He's passed away there.
0: Lou Albano? Albano. Captain yeah. Lou Albano?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he literally, as Mario, he was like, don't do drugs! <laughs> Which I guess Mario maybe might say that still, I don't know. By <laughs> oh, <anyway, laughs>
0: I'm definitely thinking of the CDI games. Because oh, One of the lines that's been used in the YouTube poops is the enclosed instruction book. (laughs) They they wouldn't say that on a TV show.
1: No. Unless Um, it was
0: like a promo for the VHS, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think I'm just just sad. Um, I got to meet Charles at a con, and he was very... In fact, so, like, I don't like meeting voice actors and things that, like, we have to pay for it because it feels really inauthentic and i've been quite lucky to meet lots of people in like anime and film and tv and music and things quite like in natural settings um which i get not everybody has the opportunity so if you have to pay to meet someone it's all good no judgment but um i did meet him at a con and um, I paid for the photo op that you get. It was terrible, but <laughs> I look really bad. But um, afterwards, you like could also pay to like queue up and get him to sign something. So he signed my childhood um, Mario 64 cartridge. And whenever he signs things, he asks for your name. And I guess he might, you know, he I think he asked you what your gender is. I can't remember. But he always calls you Prince or Princess, whatever your name is. So my cartridge says Super Princess Rosalie on it. Uh, and I then told him that me and my partner want, um, want to have a Mario-themed wedding because we're big like, Nintendo fans. We don't know if we're still going to do that. But he went, oh, give me a second. He took down one of the posters, which he charges £30 to sign normally. Signed it uh, to Prince Andrew, which I guess is really funny now, given there's an infamous Prince Andrew. But hey, Um, to Prince Andrew and Princess (laughs) Rosalie, um, congrats. And he signed all the characters he voiced. And while he did it, he actually was doing the voice. So when he signed Wario, he's like, ah, Wario, ha! And it was amazing. And he went, here you go, this is for free. And he was like, good luck on your marriage. That's delightful. Yeah, and I was like, that is really cool. And... Um, it was just really lovely and really sweet and he took time with everybody as well um and it was just cool the fact that he was in Scotland as well I just yeah I, ho- I hope he had a lovely time in Scotland if you get the chance to meet him in a capacity yeah, do it because that like made my day and in fact we have it and I'm going to f- have it framed and I'm going to have it like next to our guest book at our actual wedding because it was just such a lovely thing to do he didn't have to do that um But yeah, so it's I'm glad they're keeping him on as the ambassador, as you said, in some capacity because it'd be sad if he wasn't involved with Nintendo in any way anymore. So I just hope that it was... I just hope that they're going to treat him good still. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's a lovely guy.
0: I mean, if nothing else, like you said, they are keeping him on in some capacity, which is a lot more than Konami did for David Hayter, for instance, you know? (laughs) That's when they true. recast him as from, as Solid Snake with Kiefer Sutherland,
1: <laughs> yes,
0: like, oh. cool, <laughs> goodbye, Tough sucks to be you, yeah. Uh, go make war- go write some episodes of Warrior Nun, I guess.
1: That's true, and then we yeah. we've seen a lot recently where people will get recast and not even told about it. Like the entire cast of Final Fantasy VII was recast, and they found out about it when the game came out, like the trailers so the yeah. fact they didn't do that is actually nice although you know you it is what you would want anyway but hey <laughs> um, I'm just I'm just very intrigued who the next voice actor will be because I'm, I'm wondering if it is going to be like the person's gonna be Japanese or because um, link has always been a Japanese voice actor or if it is gonna be an American person again it'll just be very interesting um, I, I wouldn't want to be them because I am I, wish, I bet they're really nervous about when they actually get announced. Um, the,
0: those I'm, are some of the biggest shoes to fill in gaming. I yeah, think.
1: someone online again I can't remember who it was, but they said it was like Mario's voice is like it's like it's like Bugs Bunny. It's like a, it's like like a legacy voice, um, and I think we're always going to associate it with Charles. But um, yeah, I'm sure the new person will do a good job. Uh, just hope it's not Chris Pratt.
0: <laughs> yeah, like we I, I think both of us are quite serious about the Chris Pratt thing, but it is also kind of funny. But I yeah. do think that the worst thing they can do is like stunt cast a celebrity. Yeah. You yeah. know? I'd Even bad. if it's a celebrity that people like like Jack Black that like they did for Bowser in the movie. Mm-hmm. Just like A that would be really expensive. And B, just like Mario is such a super integral part of gaming history and trying to tie that to, I mean, like Chris Pratt is again the obvious joke, but I'm trying to think of any other celebrity. I don't know, like Tom Holland is Mario in Super Mario Wonder. Like, why? That's not necessary. Yeah. It's Mario. <laughs> You don't need to sell Mario with Tom Holland's voice. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's like you said, th- those are some very, very, very big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I agree they will probably do a good job and we'll find out when Super Mario Wonder releases like in October, right? Yeah, that's also thin. not far away
1: too many good games coming out so little time <laughs> yeah for real
0: <laughs> speaking of good games oh, boy yeah. you set me up for an excellent segue <laughs> uh i do believe you have been playing some games recently uh i have too but i admit none of them will be discussed on this week's episode of end focus because i mentioned at the end of the last episode that i was going to be playing pikmin 4 and i I did, a little bit, but then uh, game not appearing on Nintendo consoles, Baldur's Gate 3 came out, and that occupied the rest of my gaming time in the intervening time. So, um, Rosalie, you thankfully did play (laughs) some video games, and we're going to talk about them now. Which one would you like to talk about first?
1: So first i'm going to finally talk about paranormasite cuz it's been a long time coming um and i completed it uh, a couple of months ago now um but yeah it's it, it it deserves time to like you know after you finish a game you like to have a game like linger in your mind and stuff it deserves that kind of time so so yeah so Paranormacyte. Uh, the full name Paranorma Site: The Seven Mysteries of Honjo. That's a very long title but you know I think there's a reason for that. Uh, it's basically it's a horror visual novel um, so it released in March of this year um, and it's by Square Enix. Uh, when it came out it was kind of like a almost like a shadow drop. Similar, they did that with voices of cards as well. They were just like here this is a game, it's finished, enjoy. Um, which you know I'm not going to be annoyed at. But it was just very surprising because visual novels are kind of contentious like not they're not huge they're popular but not you know you didn't expect a big studio like square enix to do one but they did yeah
0: i i think there's like two visual novel franchises that i can immediately think of that are like reasonably popular and that's ace attorney and danganronpa
1: yes um maybe in recent years doki doki literature club as well but i think more so because that was free originally yeah um it's, it's definitely got a huge, like, visual novels have a huge following, um, I just think they're not, they're not something you'd expect from a big company like Square Unix, but I think it, it's cool, because I think we've seen them kind of experiment and do, like, more like, different games, like, like, Voice, Voices of Cards as well, there's just, like, little things that pop up. Uh, I'm very glad they did um, develop Paranormal Sight, because it is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> it's, even after Zelda, is still my game of the year, um, i I don't think it's going to be beaten by anything, but I haven't completed Buller's Gate 3 yet, so that could change. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, also before I go on further, I will say we, we did get a code from Square Enix. And there's a thing now with UK law and things that if you get sent a code, you have to mention that this is an ad. We got the code, but just because it is an ad, I'm not being paid to say what I am saying. Um and blady blady blah that's just a little thing in the uk now you have to say it's really annoying don't know why but here you go um so yeah the cool thing about paranormal Zai is i found out that the main writer um Takanari Ishiyama, is actually not famous for being a game writer but he was he's famous for being the sound designer for Metal Gear Solid wow um yeah and i was like wow like one of the most iconic games that has one of the most iconic sound design like you like the first thing I think of Metal Gear Solid is the, the alert sound um, yeah. so that's really cool <laughs> um I believe he also worked on one of my favorite DS games which is the sequel to Final Fantasy 12 Reverend wings I might be saying that wrong um which is also very cool um but yeah he's a main writer and his writing is like where has he been <laughs> um i wish he was writing things earlier maybe he was and this is this like magnum opus but the premise yeah the premise and like the way the characters speak it's so polished and so it it reminded me a lot of um early 2000s japanese horror films um which i used to be obsessed with like the the early 2000s is when a lot of these japanese horror films got localized out of japan for the first time so like uh the first ring movie uh dark water um, audition um and later korean films like old boy and stuff it's the first time we were seeing them come over here and i was obsessed um, my mom would go pick me them up from fop uh back in the day and it just it it feels like it's very inspired by them Um a lot of these films also started as books so I don't know if Ishiyama is inspired by the original like The Ring the novel but it just invokes that similar feeling um, of cool weird and wonderful uh, late 90s early 2000s Japanese horror movies which is I'm a huge horror buff so I was very happy about that um, but yes, where was I? <laughs> but yeah, um basically when you start up the game, it's very clever. Um you're greeted by this like older gentleman and he's standing next to an old Japanese TV, um, and he basically says like hello, I am the storyteller, and this you're going to start this it's very meta and um and he explains like some of the features like this game will autosave and blah de blah. But he also like makes is actually cleverly some hints about stuff later on that he mentions. It's very like uh, I'm trying to think. It's oh, what's that um, anthology of short tales from the crypt? You know that anthology mm. of like, little horror shorts. It kind of reminded me of that, where you have this like presenter that's like you're about to experience this story, and it was it's it, it instantly maybe go. This is going to be something different, um, and it was. It also
0: sorry uh, for a more um current reference how would you compare it like as the framing device to like the the dark pictures anthologies games
1: yeah that is a that is a way better (laughs) reference to use um yeah where del toro is introducing all the short um films yeah that's that's a way better reference to make um yeah, he doesn't. The character doesn't pop up a lot. He does when you die, <laughs> which didn't actually happen a lot for me because I'm I'm quite adverse in my horror games. Um, but it was. I think that the this isn't a spoiler, but I think they deliberately did this because I have a feeling that they're setting up this game to be a series as well. Um, and this paranormal site, the one I played, is just the first of a set of stories. And I really, really hope they've hinted towards that there's something coming. So I really hope that that's the, the pre- idea. Because you don't actually get to learn more about the storyteller. He's just this ominous being that comes up every now and then when you get to certain points in the game. Um, and I just, I really like the framing of it. It was just, it's, it instantly was just like, wow, I need to, this is, game has is gone from, I'm going to play this on the switch while I'm on the sofa to this needs to be played docked on my TV with the lights out like it needs my undivided attention Um, but yeah but basically when the game starts uh, you play as a character called Shogo Oki I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names my anime knowledge isn't helping (laughs) Uh, and he's meeting up with a friend who said they need help looking for something um, and when you start, it is 2D as a visual novel, but there's like a 3D element to it where you can actually look around your surroundings in a 360, but you can't m- walk about like in Danganronpa. So in Danganronpa, like the, ca- the the 2D characters are like in 2D planes and you can walk throughout the school. But in this, you kind of just, you, you point on something and it'll be like, oh, this is a tree, that kind of thing. But it's very, yeah. it doesn't it very... The way it teaches you that you can look around is very clever and terrifying because you meet up with your friend. She's like, "Oh, I'm looking for something," and he's like, "Oh, cool, what is it?" And she's and she starts to explain, and then suddenly she points towards the screen, and just has a horrible look in her face, and I was like, "This game's—I have to look behind me, don't I?" And um, yeah, it's just that. that. The fact that I then then knew like, I'm going to have to sometimes look behind me, I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is really spooky. Um, but it was just really clever. It, it seems like a simple thing, but the way this game sets you up to realize you can do certain things is like genius. So to
0: be clear, when she makes that face, points behind you, you then have to physically turn the camera around yep. to look at what she's pointing at? Yes. Oh, to that's... Progress. That's so <laughs> clever because um, now it's not just in a cutscene, it's you are actively doing the look. Oh. Yeah. It's a little thing like that. Yeah. Great. Yeah,
1: it's, oh, This is why I'm really excited for what they do in the future because there's another thing in this game which is, I think it's why like the Metal Gear Solid association is really interesting because Metal Gear Solid is known for being quite meta and coming up with these really ingenious ideas to do certain things. And there's a lot of instances in Paranormal Sight that feel, despite it being a visual novel, feel very similar. Like, I don't know if the writer is still pals with um, Kojima or anything. I wouldn't be surprised if they are. um, Because there's a thing I'll explain later on, which is literally one of my favourite thing in games um, ever. Uh, But until then, so basically, the plot is really hard to explain because I would prefer someone experienced it as they were going but the gist is that your friend is looking for something um one of the seven mysteries of honjo and the seven mysteries are like based on these folklore stories of these instances happening i don't know if they're based on real folklore or they were made up specifically for the game but one of them's about a spooky well oh that sounds familiar one's about like an area of the town that sounds like you know it's all like these little spooky stories of certain areas. Um, But she starts to talk about something called the Rite of Resurrection, which is what the whole game is centred around. And basically the Rite of Resurrection is a ritual where you can bring someone back from the dead. Um, And what happens in the plot of the game is that each of these seven mysteries um, has a cursed item associated with it and during this weekend um, the curses can become active it's only time where people can do the rite of resurrection and in order to do this right you have to use one of the curses and kill a certain number of people to collect their souls and then you will be oh, wow. able to bring back someone or whoever whatever you want to bring back from the dead um, and if you have one of these curses you're called a curse bearer so some of the characters you play as not all are curse bearers um so, yeah, it's all you can there's like moments in the game as well where you have one in your possession and you're given the option to use it when you meet another character, but you don't have to. Um, which kind of like ties into like there's cuz it's a visual novel there's like multiple endings and things. Um but yeah, so what is interesting about it is that the characters you play, play as, they all have different reasons they all have their own reasons for wanting to bring someone back. There's literally a character you meet who wants to bring back that famous uh, Japanese painter, the one that did the, the the Wave, is it called? Yeah. She just wants to bring back him because she likes his paintings. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. But then one of the characters you play as is this older woman uh, called Haru uh, Sugima, and she wants to bring back her small child who was murdered. And I was kind of like... Okay, I'm on. I'm with her. Like that's like an actual like legit reason, not just because you want to meet some famous painter. But there's like, I guess it's kind of humorous. Um, so you, yeah,
0: how how much does the game like bring up the question of how far are you willing to go? Because like you mentioned that it this rite involves killing multiple people and taking yeah. their souls to bring back one person. So how much of the game's writing is devoted to, like, answering the question about the characters, how far are you willing to go to get what you want?
1: It's a it's like a mixture. It's like a little bit that, but it's a little bit, there's like an underlining mystery to what the write is actually about and the history of it. And so, like, one of the, after you finish a prologue, the main game is that you play as um, these two schoolgirls have a timeline you can play through there's the older woman and her detective um, and you the detectives are looking for the mystery of why all these random people dying <laughs> because obviously people are using the curses and they're like oh there's a dead person there but they don't look like they've been murdered what's going on you know it's that kind of like they look like they've had a random heart attack that's a bit unusual kind of thing so there, it, it, there's like an un, it's half that half a murder mystery so it doesn't I actually you don't have that much freedom when it comes to like you can kill people you can't because sometimes when you do that'll just be something bad will happen and that will just be one of the endings and then it'll let you replay Mm. it and pick a different option but I kind of prefer that because otherwise it could get really long and convoluted um and you can can pick which ending you could say that like that's my favourite ending of them but it also means you can get all the endings very very quickly um but yeah there is a little bit of like you know should you do this um for like example i had the option of using my curse and setting someone on fire <laughs> which <laughs> is one of the things and uh i did it and it was brutal and then in that that it gave me an ending and i was like wow okay and then you go back and the thing's still there but it's like you know if you don't press the button then it doesn't happen but it's like the fact that there's option is still there does make it quite tense um and obviously there's instances where the other the character, you, you will meet a Curse and they're going to start using one you, and you're like, oh no, what do I do? Um, which is actually one of the cooler bits in the game. So this game has no voice acting. Um, but there is, I noticed that there is uh a, a audio setting for the volume of voices. And I was, so I assumed when I started it, I was like, oh, there's voice acting, I'll turn it down. Because I, I just, I thought it was going to be a bad dub and I wasn't really in the mood. So there's a curse. one of the curse baiders that you meet has a curse uh for order these curses have like um like they have like a process that needs to be happen in order for the curses to work, so somebody needs to like lie to you for one of them to work um and one of them is that they you have to hear their the spooky voice whispering to you for a certain period of time um but because oh. yeah but because I had turned the seemingly random voice acting audio setting down, which I was confused at because there's no voice acting, the character's curse didn't work and I lived. (laughs) Wait, really? Yeah, so what normally would happen if I didn't do that is that you die. And then the storyteller goes, hmm, I wonder how you do this. And that is what you're meant to do. You're meant to physically go in the settings, turn down this audio, and the character's like, hey, why why aren't you dying? And I was like this is genius there's a hint to it in in the menu of the game but I was like this is amazing like oh my god I was surprised that more people online weren't talking about it um and it just reminded me of like Metal Gear Solid with the Psycho Mantis thing where you put the controller in the second port it was a very Metal Gear Solid to me um um I can't believe I found it out accidentally (laughs) Uh, but there is a hint to it in the file so it's one of those games where the more you progress you get like a file added to like your menu and if you go in that it gives you like a b- more explanation of the curses and the characters and um the one thing i will say if you go in and play it read these read all of them some of them are just a history of the actual area of japan that you're in but there's some bits in there that are really important to the story and give you like explain the plot better and they also like there's Things that will come up where you have to remember certain things in the curses that are in these files. Um, so if you like reading, <laughs> you're sorted. But there is a hint about this audio thing in the actual um, files because it'll tell you something about the curse. Um, but yeah, you—it's just very cool. Um, the that curse, but that curse that happens to you—you you don't play as that guy. He, you just find him. Um, in throughout different characters um but yeah you mainly plays this woman with her detective called richard kai who i think is maybe a parody of like Richard from castlevania because it's like a spooky game uh, and she's she wants to bring back her dead son um and then you play as two detectives and normally i'm all a but they're like the best written cops in the game i've played in a while there's like the older chief who's a bit and there's the young guy and their humor is amazing when you're on the menu it even plays like a 70s cop show type music which is really funny um <laughs> and I, I just the little details of that i love and then you play as two schoolgirls, um who their friend recently died in a mysterious way and when you start as them they're using a ouija board in school with the lights out <laughs> and their section when you start off with them um terrified me because i thought it was a good idea to play this game at three o'clock in the morning home alone with the lights off, and it's one of the only horror games that has actually scared me in the last few years. Um, wow. Don't recommend that if you're, uh, don't like jump scares because there was one there and there's a couple. Um, but yeah, the timelines play and sometimes you'll have to go into another t- play as the other characters to progress something that's happening in the others. Cause they kind of, they connect. Um, but it's very, the timeline menu is very easy to understand and it, it, this, it It uses that t v from the intro to kind of like as like a to to tell you if you've the timeline can be continued it'll like it, the story will stop there'll be a crack and it'll be like an old t v screen and it'll take you out and it'll say something else needs to happen and then you have to go in a different story um but it's just i wish I could say more, but it would spoil things um but it's just absolutely wonderful um. And the cool thing about it as well is that it's it's only about maybe it's under 20 hours you could probably complete it in 10 hours um i took extra time because i wanted to get every ending and i read every file like (laughs) like really diligently and i was like oh because this is interesting curses um and it's also like only 15 pounds and it's regularly on sale um but it's there's something about this that just properly like I love horror games um but I'm still quite new to visual novels it's only this and um, Somnium Files which is another one I played recently have totally made me fall in love with visual novels because they both do something new and interesting it isn't just reading wall after wall of text um the fact that you know you it is 2d characters but you can still like look around you makes it kind of more interactive than like a old school visual novel there's also, there's a tiny bit of animation like they have facial expressions and things like that but there's not like a whole lot of it that it's just, it's still, it still has that kind of storybook feeling to it Um and the music is great, it's just I'm really excited, I really hope this is going to be an anthology of like horror stories because I was blown away and if it is, this could end up being my favorite game series, um, or horror series because it just it has a bit of all the elements I like, um, and if I even would recommend this to people who don't like visual novels, but you probably have to like horror in some shape or form, though.
0: <laughs> um. So there is one thing I was curious about mm-hmm. because, um, I, there is a visual novel horror game that I'm quite fond of called Nine Persons, Nine Hours, Nine Doors.
1: Yes, I know that one. Uh,
0: um and that game b- because of the plot of that game involves a lot of like puzzle solving is that a major component of paranormal as well
1: no i think there is a couple oh there is towards the end there's like oh, it's really hard to explain this because spoilers um there's some, there is some, but they're not to the same degree. Um, but I do know people who love Nine 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 and love the whole zero is it zero time dilemma series, who also loved Paranormal Sight and said that they were they felt that like there was some connection in terms of, I, well I don't know what the connection was because uh, it's been a long time since I played Nine but I I do know there's crossover of people who like both. But it's not very okay. it's it's not very puzzle adjacent i do wish there was maybe a bit more but that might be something they do for the another one um
0: so this is more like less solving puzzles and more like literally just making connections in mm-hmm. your own brain to solve the mystery
1: yeah i mean there is there's points where you can't progress and you realize that you have to go here or talk to this person or and there is a really cool puzzle Later on, towards the end, which I thought was absolutely genius, but I don't want to give away all the really clever bits. Um, but it, yeah. it, if you're looking for more puzzles, it's more. I guess it's more like Phoenix Wright in that way, where it's more. Yeah, the main bit is making the connections rather than figuring puzzles out. But I kind of liked that because it felt more laid back. Um. Yeah. But yeah, it's just oh, it was just so good. Like it is digital only. But if they ever like do one of those really fancy, expensive, physical versions, I will buy that. And I might buy it on, because the Switch obviously doesn't have um, achievements or trophies, I might buy it on the PC as well and, and the PS5 just so I can get those.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
1: that's how much fun I had with it. I, I wasn't expecting to like it so much even though I do love horror. Um, And it's not horror in like a slashy, gory way. It's like spooky, ominous, like feeling uneasy kind of you know a little bit of the kind of silent hill like ooh, and um yeah it's just oh i just i'd recommend it to everybody actually
0: (laughs) honestly like i'm not the biggest fan of horror especially like the the really gory kind of things Mm -hmm. but you're kind of talking me into it. This this sounds really cool,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's hey, it's really affordable too, which is what I like. Because I know there's like a thing where people are like, you shouldn't complain about the length of a game and the price. But I'm like, no, I think, I think you can. I think if you know if you're, if you don't have a lot of money, but you still want to get games now, and then, um, or you're still fanatical about games, I still think that that is a, a thing. But I def- fifteen pounds. I've seen it go for £12. That, to me, that's more than worth it. Um, yeah, I think it could even get... Because I even have now got new visual novels on the back of this. It's like made me more into visual novels as a whole. So um, maybe it could do that for everybody. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm very excited to see what else they do. Um, because they've made hints and i'm just like please please do more spookies please um because i feel like horror as a game genre has gone down this rabbit hole of being like people buying assets on unity and being like look it looks like pt it's spooky and they all just look the same so to see this yeah. come out try really interesting things and succeed in doing it was just very exciting um but yeah
0: i also don't miss the like remember slender yes <laughs> and all of the clones of slender yeah i also don't miss that
1: <laughs> yeah i feel like yeah i feel like there's less people trying to do really uh, imaginative things with horror so this is like a breath breath of fresh air um especially as before we get into all the silent hill remakes that are on their way but yeah i just i really love this um I even think it would it actually could work well as a an anime series it was that great um yeah what you
0: were talking about it kind of reminded me of like let's say like the first half of season one of jujutsu kaisen in terms of like curses and investigating curses and mysterious deaths and that kind of thing like jujutsu kaisen is more of a battle anime like there are big fights against big monsters but there isn't just an element of like something is wrong here. Yeah. And it involves some sort of evil magical curse and we have to find out what and why.
1: Yeah. Um I'd also even say it has a tiny bit of Junji Ito-ness to it, and ever so slightly. Um it's not as weird as Junji Ito's work is, which is weird and wonderful as his work is. But yeah, there's a very, yeah, um, and if you like your folklore as well, I, I I think the folklore in it is based off of real ones, but the ones in the game are like made up equivalents of them. Because uh, there's one with a well, and there's there's all there's always a folklore in Japan with a spooky well, and um, but learning about even the ones in the game is really really interesting, um, and yeah, I just oh. If if you end up playing it, maybe we could do like a spoiler episode where we actually talk about elements of the plot. <laughs> but I just, it's just wonderful. I really doubt something will top it as my game of the year. Actually, it's probably going to be number one.
0: You know what else I'm I'm thinking of right now? Uh, I don't know how much like you're into comic books mm-hmm. or graphic novels in this case. Yeah. No. Uh, are you familiar? Are you familiar with the Image comic series Wayward? No. It's it's about a, I believe she's American, girl who, due to some sort of family shenanigans, moves to Japan and is able to see like the Japanese equivalent of ley lines, I believe. Huh. And I've read like the first two volumes of it and it's it's reminding me a lot of this as well. It has some great like Japanese folklore inspired horror yeah um i i I don't know i'd have to go back and read it to like be 100 percent sure but this is like lighting that uh it's firing that neuron in my brain as well
1: (laughs) yeah i i love kind of folklore based things that actually made me like wonder like i wonder what a scottish version of this would be because there's a lot of scottish folklore that's turned up in games even japanese games because hey kate sith from Final Fantasy seven is a celtic folklore thing so but um yeah, it's just very, very cool. Um, and, you know, having a game that doesn't take a long time to <laughs> complete these days is so welcome. Like, just having a really great, well-paced experience that doesn't take hundreds and hundreds of hours is just what you need. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend it to Everybody, as long as you can handle horror, because there is some jump scares. I think there's like three at most, though, so that's not too bad.
0: But it sounds like there's a good blend of, like, jump scares, but also just things that are unsettling situations and things that yeah. let your imagination do a lot of the work mm-hmm. and a very good atmosphere as well.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, there'll be times where there's just like a scary face in the background of something and I'm just like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> um, or you know you have to go into an area and you just feel really unsettled and ugh, but uh, that that's my favorite kind of horror and also it does it doesn't do this thing that I hate in horror where it's like the the spookiness isn't real like no the, the people are aware that these things are happening um because my most hated thing is this like. It's not happening. It's it's a gas that's making people hallucinate, or it was all a dream. It's like no. I want my spookies to be actual things that are going on. Um, and some characters reveal that they know more than they let on. But because one of the schoolgirls, her like job is to be involved in the occult. Like she works for like a a, a famous guy, occult guy, and she helps. Like she's paid by the police force as a psychic and stuff. But it's like psychics are legit in this like fictional version of Japan. So I like that. I like when it's legit and all real. But yeah. Um it's actually just realized it's coming up for Halloween soon, so it might be like the perfect game to play, to be honest.
0: Mmm. That's a good call.
1: Yeah. So if anyone's looking for something spooky for the spooky season, then I'd highly recommend it. And if you don't have a if if you don't want to play it on the Switch, it's on everything. Um, so but it does play really nicely on the switch. Um and I played it handheld and docked and it looks it looked lovely. So um yeah.
0: How about we take a uh drastic tonal shift <laughs> and talk about a Disney game?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally totally <laughs> opposite. Um Yeah, I also played Disney Illusion Island. Um I didn't complete it. I need to preface like preface that. Uh so I can probably go in depth when I have completed it. Um But yeah, um it, Disney Illusion Island, it is a co op game. It's a Metroidvania. Um and Really?
0: I was under the impression that it was more like a Rayman Origins style, like level based platformer.
1: No, it's 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 like you get the map and you backtrack to, to do places. But yeah, it's it's. In fact, I would call it if I was doing a written review. I call it Baby's First Metroidvania. It's like a really good introduction to Metroidvania's if you're younger, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just very. No, nah, everyone's got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I know it's a Disney game, okay? <laughs> so I know that it's gonna have. Uh, its audience isn't gonna be you no know, millennials and children <laughs> because you know they're the speaking as a Disney fan those are the ones that really like Disney and buy lots of Disney things. So I understand that. Um, which is it's it's yeah, it's it's fine. Um, I played about four hours and I did play it with my partner and my friend, so we got the co-op experience. Um the main standout is the animation, it's absolutely beautiful. Um it kinda has that style. I don't know if you've seen the more recent um Disney like Mickey Mouse shorts.
0: I've seen a couple of them, I think.
1: Yeah, it's not that exact style, but it's very reminiscent of that style. Where they kinda look a bit funny, like they're not fully detailed. it's, it's very stylistic. Um but oh, they had like yeah the animation is really really lovely and in fact i didn't i actually wanted the camera to be more zoomed in so i could see the finer details of how the characters were moving about it's just so lovely um you basically there's like a premise where mickey minnie donald and goofy are invited to a picnic in this mysterious island and uh, there's like an animated cutscene short at the beginning which is very long um and the characters are like hey we need you to find these books it's you know basic framing of this is why you're running about this big area um it's very funny and um it's well voiced um and then yeah it's 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 a very bare bones metravenia where you don't actually get to hurt anything it's mainly so it's like i don't know if that still counts as a metrovania if you don't get to kill anything <laughs> I guess you kind of get to kill the bosses but it's through like jumping on things that hurts the bosses but you don't actually get to hurt any enemies or you didn't in the first four hours that I played um, I mean
0: I think that the main tenets of Metroidvania is just like backtracking and unlocking yeah. new abilities that allow you to access previously inaccessible areas
1: then that's exactly what I you do I
0: <laughs> confess uh, I can't immediately think of any other Metroidvanias where you don't like fight enemies along the way.
1: Yeah, that's why I was but... thinking. Um, but yeah, that's what you do. You so you jump around, and in some points you'll get different uh, move sets. Each character does have the same move set, but they're represented in different things. So you get like a double jump, and Donald's is like a rocket, and every character is like a different but it item, but it does the same thing. Um, the coolest thing. In this, is that so? Like, there's a difficulty, but it's it's only represented in like your health. So I think easy you get three hearts, and then for balance you get two, and hard you get one. Um, but throughout the game you could hug each other, <laughs> and if you hug each other you get an additional heart. Um, which I think is really adorable. Um, and it's just a nice little mecha- mechanic that we added in there. And when we were playing it, we get the whole time was like oh i think donald needs a hug (laughs) we were like hugging each (laughs) other um i really like that little touch um and also it just helps because i was it's not hard but i was making silly mistakes quite a lot um yeah it's the only thing it's just it's very it got a bit boring after a while because you'll just it was very i don't get bored by metrovanias maybe because of the killing like one of my favorite games of all time is symphony of the night the castlevania game um but maybe because that has rpg elements in it and you level up and everything and you do kill a lot of things in that game maybe that's why
0: um i mean if like if they if there's no if there's functionally no combat yeah and they didn't really replace it with anything like metroidvanias are going to have platforming challenges by default Mm. they kind of have to or else the navigation doesn't really happen yeah or traversal i guess is a better word for it but if they didn't really replace it with anything then like what like what is there there's platforming and i assume some light puzzle solving
1: yeah, you. a lot of the times when we were playing it, it was like there was a door and we needed three keys. So we had to backtrack to get these three keys. And sometimes one of us had to jump on something to unlock the gate so another character could run and get the key and then we'd run back. Um, and that was what most of it was. <laughs> and I did wonder, I should, I should maybe try it on my own. I did wonder, A, how the puzzles worked when you were on your own. Um maybe they're slightly different if you're just doing a single player um campaign. But it just there there's not enough there to like pit it up against some of the big Metro I do think this is like a kid's first Metro Um like I can imagine having an amazing time if I was playing this, if I had kids. Um and then maybe when they were a teenager I'd be like, Hey, have you heard of something of the night? Um it was yeah but it's not it's just very odd um maybe there is combat later on but i've heard a lot of people saying that it is like a beginner's metroidvania so i don't think there is um i th- the main thing for me is because i'm a big disney fan is that when you can unlock uh, like gallery stuff that gives you like it shows you animation tests and concept art and that was like my favorite bit apart from like joking around with my friends um because the animation is so beautiful and i can't imagine the people working on this as long as they weren't crunching like what, what fun they must have i wish i was an animator and got to work on something this beautiful um but yeah it's just kind of a shame i kind of i was thinking earlier that um so this was like called i think it was called illusion island because it was tying into the illusion disney games that came out in like the mega drive there was like castle of illusion and there were, that's the
0: only one i know
1: there's one with mickey and donald that's my favorite one and i can't remember the name of it um it's something of illusion obviously <laughs> those were great but they were too hard although and i kind of wish you know what? i kind of wish instead that they did remakes or they did a, like a collection with them instead or maybe they like will
0: la- like a ducktales remastered style yeah. like or like that just from the ground up
1: didn't they do like a Saturday morning collection that had like the original Ducktales and the Tailspin game on it and stuff? They did. They also did that Lion King and an Aladdin set, like something like that would be cool. Because is, yeah, it's just I think that if you're of a certain age, you're just not gonna enjoy this game that much. Like I just I didn't. It was just really easy, and even like my partner was like I got bored really quickly, and I was like oh. But it's only a physical copy. A brand new is thirty five pounds, so it's it's not like maybe they knew that because the price is kind of like you know it's not it's not like a, a Zelda price. It's not a brand new retail price. It's like it's pretty okay. We just buy a pre it because I was like, oh, only thirty five pounds. That's amazing. Um, maybe I'll need to play more of it when I complete it. Maybe that'll change my mind. Um, I'm not disappointed. I'm I'm just I understand that I'm not the target audience, even though I'm a Disney fan um and i do still like i do still buy merch and disney experience disney media that isn't necessarily for me and still enjoy it but i just think this specifically might be for a younger audience um but yeah that anime is still beautiful i think you really i think i would only recommend it if you were like a big big disney fan um and
0: but that does come with the caveat that like seeing all the cool like animation tests and stuff does mean you do actually have to play the game which is yeah not amazing
1: <laughs> no but i really like what the team did i've been following like the development of some of it on on twitter and everything and i i think it's really cool uh, it makes me kind of interested to see because this is only on the switch right now um and it was advertised like that so i'm like oh maybe the switch is going to get more disney games because like back in the day disney games were like everywhere there was a disney game for every single movie that came out and there was like the illusion games and there was all sorts and we've kind of had like almost like a dry spell of that if it wasn't for um dream White valley like the animal crossing um inspired disney game which i do yeah. really like um so i'm hoping this is going to be like a new era of a ton of actual console disney games um because like Pokemon a lot of their cool ideas are usually on apps instead of actually full length games. So I'm glad it exists. Uh, and I I think if I was a wee kid I would absolutely love this and I wouldn't put it down, but it just doesn't have enough to keep me going and the music gets really repetitive. Um and there's no voice acting. I just like there is for the cutscenes, but you don't they don't really talk to each other much throughout the which is like a little bit disappointing, because, you know, you want to hear Donald moan and shout and scream, because yeah. it's just what he's good for. I love Donald. Um But maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe people absolutely love it, but I just, me and my friends, we can usually play something that's pretty okay and still have a really, really fun time. But a lot of the fun we were, like, creating for ourselves by, like, going, ha you need a hug and things, you know. It wasn't the actual, it wasn't the actual game driving most of the fun, which for me like says that you know we weren't really enjoying it it was a company that we were enjoying um but you know there's other co-op games on the horizon there's Sonic Superstars coming out um hopefully before the end of the year so there is going to be more co-op you know fun on the Switch so but I think if you have a kid and you're a big Disney fan then yes buy this um but otherwise, I wouldn't really bother. Um, if you want something Disney-y go get the Lion King and um, Aladdin collection, or play Dreamlight Valley because that's actually really fun. Um, but yeah, I'm
0: I'm also trying to think of like other big Disney games that have come out like recently, aside from Dreamlight Valley, because I mean, there's I guess. They just started a, tra- a trading card game, Lorcana. Yes, which uh, I'm
1: playing, and it's amazing.
0: Uh, and other than that, like, the, mo- the other most recent one and that I'm thinking of is, like, Epic Mickey, the series. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was a while ago.
1: Yeah, that was, like, the Wii and PS3.
0: Yeah, I have... Fond is maybe not the right word. <laughs> Uh, strong memories of going yeah. to a gaming convention and trying and failing to play Epic Mickey 2 on PS Move, oh, no. the, the like motion controller for the PlayStation, yeah. and it was like had a full like two second input delay. Uh, maybe it was just because it was in the convention, but it was genuinely the worst game I played at that convention. No, I think that's uh, a
1: PlayStation Move thing. <laughs> But like, yeah, there's, yeah
0: like, there's Dreamlight Valley there's this
1: there's Speedstorm which is like the kart racer which I have heard good things about um, which is also by mm-hmm. the same people who do Dreamlight Valley so this might be usher in a new era you know, of lots of Disney games which I'm all here for as long as they're like good <laughs> um,
0: yeah because the, the, they like I mean I'm not going to sit here and pretend like most movie tie-in games were good no but yeah like most of the movie tie-in stuff that you see nowadays is on the apps like the last one i can immediately remember is brave and that was on like xbox 360
1: yeah i guess the star wars games or disney games kind of technically. yeah but
0: i assumed we were talking about disney <laughs> yeah. animation here like yeah in that regard they're working on an avatar game yeah you know
1: yeah i mean more yeah i meant more mickey mouse um which is weird because it's the 100th anniversary of disney right now so you'd i would have expected a i would have expected a big movie like a mickey movie but maybe this was the time game for that but i would have expected something a bit more like a mickey mouse mario odyssey clone or you know something a bit more big um because again like pokemon company they can afford it (laughs) yeah probably more so than the Pokemon company at this point um, but maybe that's something that's on the cards uh, on the lorcana cards uh, um, hey. <laughs> which you know what I wish was a switch game so I could talk about that but it might be <laughs> um,
0: i mean if if it does manage like the the, the thing with tra- trading card games not to get too sidetracked yeah is there is sort of a test. Of if they can survive the first two years of of, of existing then they're probably going to be in a good enough space to be in it for the long run like uh, I pay attention to a lot of trading card game related stuff like uh, Flesh and Blood was sort of the trying to be the fourth big game after Magic Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh mm-hmm. and it, it got past the um the hurdle of making it past the first two years which is impressive because flesh and blood by its design by its intentions um is not going to have a digital client it's called flesh and blood partially because they wanted it to be played in person oh. which i don't know if you've paid attention to the last three or so years <laughs> but uh that hasn't always been easy to do yeah Uh, But they're still around, and if Lorcana can stick around and they don't have that kind of restriction, I mean, I I would genuinely be surprised if it doesn't get, like, a Magic Arena-style client where you can play it digitally. I hope it's better than magic arena because (laughs) i mean it it's not on a nintendo pod on a nintendo system i believe so i'm not going to get into it too much but wow magic arena is a mess (laughs) um but like yeah larkana on like a digital client i i confess i don't know like super much about it i know the card art is gorgeous it's so pretty and the game as far as i know is very fun i mean Mm -hmm. you said as much yeah, um uh, I've got
1: a start deck. I've got I uh, got some boosters. Um there was a pre launch event my partner went to. It's sold out everywhere. It's sold out everywhere. Pre-orders are sold out everywhere. It's big hype. Uh, if they ended up doing a game, I would I would buy it and I would I hate microtransactions, but I would buy them too, cuz it's fun and it's my favorite Disney thing at the moment. And Hey, yeah, there if there was a Switch game that'd be so good. But yeah, I know these things are you wait you wait and see what the, you know, reception is and so on. Um but yeah, I just um I just hope that we see more Disney games in general. I think I think we're gonna. I, I think this might be I, I so I hope it does Illusion Island does well enough to for Disney to go, yeah, let's keep doing more Mickey Mouse adjacent things um but i th- I think they will um just you know if 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 it's too, if it sounds too easy you can try and get some lorcana cards <laughs> um <laughs> if you don't manage don't blame me because <laughs> um, I want to get more boosters and i I think the actual release the full release here is the 14th of September and all the websites I normally get cards from uh, their pre-orders are sold out so if there's an event near you, go buy them and play that instead. <laughs> it's 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 not hard um, either, so, <laughs> but in, in a good way. And not an illusion island is easy in a uh, way. Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah. Already then. Mm. Um. What uh, are we going to be playing in the near future that may or may not appear in an episode?
1: Um, I'm going to try and play more Zelda, but again, I cannot promise that. I do really need to finish it because I have a feeling that people are going to start posting. They're going to think it's been long enough to post spoilers and that's going to happen. Um, so I'm going to try and do that and Pikmin Four for properly the full game. Um, yeah (laughs) no promises though Uh, because again this is a really like huge time for games right now but I will do my best
0: Uh, I like last episode will try to play more Pikmin 4 Uh, again the specter of Baldur's Gate 3 looms (laughs) (laughs) above my life right now so I, I also cannot make any promises Uh, Though I will say I did recently start a new save file of Kirby and the Forgotten Land and I have been really enjoying that. I may talk about that in the near future Because if memory serves you have not played it.
1: No, it's one of the only Kirby's I haven't played so I'd be interested
0: Uh, Yeah uh, That's what we're gonna be playing in the near future
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of N-Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Spotify and other podcast services. Also be sure to check out GamePodular Unfocused. Follow us on Twitter and at GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. Links to all our socials may be found at Linktree slash GamePodular. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular patron. The details for both are on our website. Thanks! This episode was edited by Hilka, and you can follow him at gear12 turbo on Twitter or more preferably at gear12turbo at kind.social on Mastodon. He was joined today by me, Rosalie, who you can find at lilrecorgirl on Twitter. Have a good one!